Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, what's up, y'all? Welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. Now, we got a lot to get to today. Sorry this podcast is getting out a little bit later than I would have liked to, but life got crazy. Life got a little busy, uh, but we're rolling with it. We're going to get this pod out right before the tournament that's going on in Rome, which we will get to at the very end of this episode. And there's some important information you need to know about Rome that is a very, very, very important when it comes to Roland Garros later this month and who may or may not be playing. In Rome. All right, let's get into what happened at the Mutua Madrid Open. Now, I talked about this open last time. We talked about some of these, you know, some of these players that are here and where they're at in the tournament. And this tournament, the last week of it, did not disappoint. There were some great upsets. There were players making it to spots in this tournament that had never even been to that kind of, you know, that level of a match in that big of a stage. So, to say this was thrilling, exciting, fun to watch, an understatement, because it really had everything. The number one name that sticks out in this tournament is obviously Carlos Alcaraz. He's a Spaniard. He's the number one player at this tournament. He's one of the best players in the world, and he's been playing fantastic tennis ever since he came back from injury this spring. So Alcaraz, obviously someone who you got an eye on at the beginning of this tournament and someone who you're really looking for to really make a run on clay, especially with Rafa keep getting hurt and not playing in a lot of these tournaments. Didn't play in Monte Carlo, didn't play in Barcelona, didn't play here in Madrid. We'll talk about Rome here in a little bit, but Carlos Alcaraz is the name and the person you got to look at when you look at this Madrid tourney, and Alcaraz does not disappoint. Alcaraz, you know, in the quarters, he cruises through Hachinov in the semis. He cruises through Borna Chorich in straight sets. And then in the final, he wins this one in three sets over Juan Leonard Struff. We're going to get to him in just a little bit. But Carlos Alcaraz, a dominant player. He wins the Madrid Open back-to-back years. He won it last year. His 20th birthday was during the tournament this year. To be 19-20 and 20 and dominating on clay and dominating this tournament is incredible to watch him play on clay. He's so powerful. It reminds me so much of Nadal, just the heavyweight way that he can play on clay. And I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it again about his heavyweight stamina and his heavyweight, just the way he hits the ball, such a heavy ball. And you look at his last two years, right? This is his 10th title on the ATP tour. He wins five titles in 2022, has four titles already here in 2023. These are the the consistency and the numbers that the tennis world has been waiting for ever since the big three, right? Rafa did it. Roger did it. Novak does it. They've all done it. And all these new names have come through the tennis realm, and everyone seems to be waiting for, especially fans, that one consistent player that's younger that can do it and do it and do it again. Tennis fans, we got it. It's Carlos Alcaraz. It's Alcaraz right now. He's got 10 titles. He's only 20 years old. This dude can't have a beer in the United States illegally. And he has 10 ATP titles. We're celebrating. We got guys that I talk about on this podcast all the time 
that are well-known in the tennis world, top 10 players, and they have been for years. They win a tournament. We act like it's the biggest thing in the world. Carlos Alcaraz wins a tournament. We're like, yeah, he should have won that. This dude is 20 years old. It is incredible what he is doing on the tour right now. It's incredible the the style and the level of tennis he can play week in and week out and how dominant he is on really all surfaces. He is tennis right now. Djokovic, yeah, but he's not playing in a lot of tournaments. Rafa keeps getting hurt. Roger's not in the game anymore. Andy Murray's trying to come back from injury. There's a lot of names in tennis right now that are popular. No one more so than Carlos Alcaraz. And I have people ask me all the time, what should I know about tennis right now? I know you follow it, Jacob. What should I know about tennis right now? You need to know one name, I think. And that's Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah, there's the race for the most Grand Slam titles. Yeah, there's the race for the GOAT. But Carlos Alcaraz is the most exciting thing in the sport of tennis right now. Hands down. And he wins the title in Madrid to add to his incredible resume already that he has on the ATP Tour. We're going to move on from Alcaraz. We're going to get into kind of the nuts and bolts of this tournament that happened before it. Sorry for going on the rant, but I think it was well needed because uh, as much as we talk about all these other players, it's still always Alcaraz, it seems like. Um, Juan Leonard Struff, incredible tournament. He beat Tsitsipas in the quarters, Go on, goes on to beat Karatsev in the semis. And goes on to become the first lucky loser ever to make a Masters 1000 final. Think about this. You lose in qualifier, you don't think you're playing in a tournament. All of a sudden, someone gets out of it and you get put into a draw that you have no you have no idea where you're going. And you just get thrown in there. You don't even think you're in the tournament. So you wait around in the city just in case. You end up being the lucky loser. You end up making it to the final, beating incredible tennis players on the way there. And then playing Carlos Alcaraz in the final. But what what a journey, what a week or two weeks by Struff to be a lucky. It's hard to make it on tour. It really is. And for Struff to do what he did, to beat the guys he did on clay especially, which clay, clay takes so much out of you. So it's such, it's such a surface that you need stamina. You need to be able to last as long as possible in these long rallies and you need endurance and to think you're out of a tournament and then make a run like that outstanding on his way there he beat Karatsev Oslin Karatsev we've talked about him before but it was his first Masters 1000 semifinal that he had made uh, he was a qualifier in this tournament he's world 121 we've talked about him in tournaments tournaments before he's made runs but he's been a little quiet as of late so Really good to see him playing great tennis again. Uh, one of those Russians that is such a solid player. And he's one of the core four, I think, of Russia right now. When you look at Medvedev, Rublev, Hachinov, and then you got Oslin Karatsev. So uh, good to see him have a really good tournament. And uh, I'm hoping it continues on clay because he's fun to watch as well. Last thing real quick right out of the draw that I want to talk about is uh, Borna Choric. Good to see him stacking tournaments and good performances together. Uh, you know, he he has great he has great tournaments after his injury. Uh, then you don't hear about him for a little bit. And to hear him get all the way to the semifinals in a Masters 1000 event, that is such a hard tournament to make runs at, really is. I mean, Grand Slams are so, so hard. But Masters 1000s are incredibly difficult to make runs at. And Borna Torch keeps stacking good tennis and good tennis back-to-back. So that is fun to watch. We're moving on to doubles. The reason I want to talk about doubles so much right here in this podcast is because Karen Hachinov and Andre Rublev win the doubles title 
in Madrid. <laughs> two singles players, two Russians. I know they don't get representation from their country right now, but these guys go through an entire doubles draw and win it. Why is this so hard? Because both of them had good singles, um, good singles runs here in Madrid. And like I just mentioned, clay takes so much out of you. So for them to get on the double side of clay here and have a good tournament, outstanding. It's fun. It's fun to watch. And uh, for these guys to get a doubles title together, it it adds to the fun of the sport, I think. And I think it's good to see singles players have success in doubles, although I do respect doubles players. And, you know, I do want them to get their flowers and win win their fair share of tournaments. But when you watch singles players like this have a brutal week in singles and work really hard and make a, a mini run or somewhat of a run and then flip over to doubles and have major success, uh, it shows you how talented these guys are and what their skill set holds is they can be successful in singles and doubles because as much as people tell you that, you know, it's just tennis, you're playing tennis either way, singles and doubles are completely different. And it's so hard to be good at both of them. And when you can, pretty impressive. Last thing, what else that's very impressive is Struff goes up 37 spots in the rankings to a career high number 28 in the world, sneaks into the top 30 after his incredible tournament in Madrid. Awesome to see Borna Torch up four spots to number 16, Andy Murray up 10 spots to number 42. Karatsev up 68 spots to number 53 in the world. 68 spots you jump in one tournament. Not bad. Not bad. Pretty impressive. Let's move on. We got to go to what is going on in Rome because Rome is the next big tournament. It's the next big thing, and it's literally like right before Roland Garros. What happens in Rome, and then it goes to a 250, a 250, and then we go to Roland Garros. But this is the last big tournament in preparation for the French Open and what happens in Paris. And all eyes are on Rome in Italy right now. Sad news to break right now is Nadal is not playing in Rome. Nadal is out of another tournament. Rafael Nadal has been out of all these clay court tournaments. You thought he maybe play a few of them or one of them at least to get him ready for Roland Garros, but we've talked about it on this podcast before. He made a message and said, I am not ready to play in these tournaments. What happened with his injury? It got a little worse. It got a little worse. Got a little worse. And then he wasn't able to play in Madrid. He wasn't able to play in Barcelona. And he sent out a tweet again this week. He said, I'm very sorry to announce I will not be in Rome. You all know how much it hurts me to miss another one of the tournaments that has marked my professional and personal career, all that I love says something to the Italian fans. And then he also says, uh, despite having noticed an improvement in recent days, which is good news for Nadal, uh, there have been many, many months, there have been many months without having been able to train at a high level and to readaptation process has its times, and I have no choice but to accept them and continue working. Will he play? Will he play in Roland Garros at the French Open? Huge question mark. But if he's not playing at that high level, I don't know how he does, right? Like, he hasn't been able to play those matches. He hasn't been able to get those matches in. Even if he does play at Roland Garros, how much can you really expect from him? Yeah, it's Rafa on clay, but he hasn't been competitive. He hasn't played in competitive matches lately. And he's coming off of an injury that took way too long to recover from, right? So there's gonna be speculation there and also like a very 
dimmed down excitement about him playing. Obviously, if he plays at Roland Garros, that's exciting for everybody, but it's not going to be the Rafa we've seen in the past, which sucks because Rafa playing on clay is truly, truly a spectacle. So we're forced to just sit and wait and see what happens with Rafa as we move closer and closer and closer to the French Open. Right now, it doesn't look I don't think he's going to be able to play. Like, if his injury's not getting much better, he hasn't had the chance to adapt, I would say, to professional tennis again since his injury. Obviously, he's been playing on the tour forever, so he knows, but you just got to get those reps in, and he hasn't been able to do that. So if he hasn't been able to do that, can he really get out there? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch and interesting to see. And with that, we move on to Rome and what's happening in Rome and the people actually playing in Rome. Top seeds in this one, Djokovic 1, Elkaraz 2, Daniil Medvedev 3, Kasper Ruud 4, Tsitsipas 5, Rublev 6, Holger Rune is 7, Yannick Sinner's 8, Taylor Fritz is 9, Felix Ogier, Ali Asim is 10. But listen to these names I'm going to rattle off here. Hachinov, Tiafo, Nori, Herkoc, Chorich, Paul, Damon Neuer, Musetti, Sferov, Evans, Batista, Gut, Korda, Van de Zanskalt, Serendolo, Nishioka, Dimitrov, Davidovich, Falkina, Ben Shelton. I mean, the names go on and on and on and on. I can't believe Ben Shelton's still ranked number 35 in the world. That's incredible. Um... Yeah, the the names in this tournament are insane, and that's what you expect from a Masters 1000s event. That's what you expect from the last Masters 1000 right before a Grand Slam, and we're in for fireworks in Rome. I expect Djokovic to want a really good result on clay because he struggled on clay thus far. So I'm expecting he's putting a lot of capital, a lot of thought, a lot of effort into doing really, really well in Rome and winning this tournament because he has really struggled on clay. He seems like he hasn't really gotten into his own, and I think, you know, he he. I would assume he would just want a really good result and want to know that his body can play really well on clay again right now. Although he is Djokovic, you expect him to do really well at the French Open, but I have a feeling he, with him struggling, he seems to be frustrated in his interviews. So you would expect him to have a good result here in Rome. Carlos Alcaraz is rolling right now. I'd love to see Kasparud, see him make a little bit more of a run and be a little bit more successful at this tournament. I mean, my God, he's the four seed. I would expect him to win a few matches here. Uh, Daniil Medvedev on clay is always comical because he's open about hating it. So I guess we'll see what happens there. So uh, a lot of good players in this tournament should be fun to watch as always. And, uh, I really enjoy what happens in Rome and Italy. I think they do a really good job with this tournament from afar, as I can see from afar. And it's the last real big celebration of clay right before the French open. So I'm excited to watch that over the next week and a half or so. All right. Last thing. I don't want to end this on a sad note, but it seems that this has come to the attention of a lot of people and it has become a problem. And, Thankfully, these women are speaking out about it. Uh, in the final, doubles final of the women's draw at the Madrid Open, looks like Jessica Pagula and Coco Goff, they lost, but they were in this, they were in the final, and they didn't get a chance to speak afterwards, and it has been mentioned that, I guess, the men got a, a chance to speak afterwards, but the women didn't, and so they're putting that in question. Uh, whether the men did or not, I don't understand this decision not to let a finalist or 
the people that make it to the final speak to the crowd afterwards. That's part of making it to the final, right? Like, even if the men did and the women did it, that's wrong, right? Like, you can't do that. Why would you do that, right? Like, you you need to let the women talk um, as much as you need to let the men talk. Like, why would you let the men do it and not the women? That doesn't make any sense, um, especially in a sport that has been, you know, I would say in front of the curve when it comes to equality. I would say that. Um, but nevertheless, even if the if the men didn't, if no one did, um, why would you not let a finalist or the people that win the tournament talk after they won or lost in the final? That's the point of making it to the final. That's what you get for making it to the final. It's a luxury to be able to do that because that's what you get for making it that far. So it doesn't really make sense to me that they wouldn't be able to talk or Madrid wouldn't let them talk. So I haven't read too much into it. I read snippets here and there and kind of saw a little bit of what happened, but um, it's disappointing for sure. And especially those two, Pagula and Goff, so good on the mic. I don't understand why you wouldn't let them talk, but that's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, it doesn't make sense, Madrid, uh, but we move on to Rome. We're moving on to Rome. That is this week and a half. Got a couple 250s. Then we go to France for the French Open. So stick with me here on this podcast for the next few weeks as we prepare for the French Open. Thanks for listening. We'll stay up to date on everything that's going on with Rafael Nadal for sure. But until then, thanks for listening. Cheerio. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.